Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the way that we've been led into your presence through the, the music and just being able to sing and to praise you tonight. And Father, we pray that as we come into your presence now, that we will be able to, to take in, to understand what it means, the reality behind those words, that Jesus Christ was the ransom from heaven for us. Lord, open our hearts and minds now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this weekend we have again, as we've said, celebrated Easter. The wonderful Easter story, without question, the most beautiful, tragic, and yet joyous story on this earth. But as this weekend draws to a close, I want to make sure that you really know what needs to be known of this story, that all the imagery that today is, is around it of spring chicks and Easter eggs, the Easter bunny, I often wonder what is that ever all about, but that these won't obscure for you what is the true meaning and true significance of Easter. So let's just look again at the Easter story. Of course, at the heart of this story stands Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God's Son, God become man, who died on the cross that first Easter. Yes, Christ on his cross. That's who stands at the heart of Easter. But why do we want to keep on remembering, even celebrating, something so awful and so terrible? For two reasons. First, because of what he died for. And that is sin. He died because of our sins. So, so what does that mean? How does all of that fit together? Like this, God made us as, as women, men, as human beings. He made us to know him, to love him, and to follow him. But instead of choosing this, and as a result of doing that, living a blessed life in the perfect world that he'd created for us, we instead chose to go our own way in life. We wanted, you see, to be in charge of our lives. We wanted to be in control of this world. So we went our own way. We rebelled against God. And the word that the Bible uses to describe this rebellion is sin. With the result of sin at the human level being there to be seen all around us and within us. In messed up, chaotic lives and in a messed up, though still beautiful world. But far more important, and that the root cause of the chaos that we experience is what our sin actually means for our relationship with God. For you see, God is holy, meaning he is perfectly pure, perfectly good. And this, his nature, this means that he can have nothing to do with anything or anyone who is affected by sin. So you see, sin then puts a barrier between us and God. It prevents us from knowing him and his love in this life and leaves us facing eternal separation from his love at this life's end. And there's nothing, nothing we can do to put this right. Because even the good things that we do, they are tainted by the sin that lies at the heart of who we are. 
So there's nothing truly, perfectly good that we can give to God, offer to him, to make up for our sin. And this is where Jesus comes in. For God, you see, came to this earth in Jesus Christ. And he came and he showed us how to live a life that pleases God. And then on the cross, he gave that perfect life in order to pay for all our sin. There is a man. He stood in our place, my place, your place. There is God. He paid the price we could never pay. <coughs> Excuse me. But it's not only what God did at Easter that makes it important, that makes Easter worth remembering and celebrating. It's also why he did it. And there was only one reason why God did it. Because of love. Because of his great love for each one of us. That's why the Father sent the Son. That's why the Son came. Because of love. Amazing love. As it says in 1 John 4 verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And not only did he die to pay the price of our sin, no, three days later on Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death and Satan. And so as we put our trust in Jesus and what he has done for us, not only does God save us from the punishment of sin, he also breaks the power of sin in our lives. He gives us the power, the power we need to live a new life right now. Not a life where we cannot sin, because of course, while we're living in this body on this earth, we can sin. But a life where we can now choose not to sin. Because the domineering power of sin has been broken in Christ. We share then in all the benefits of his victory as we put our trust in him. That's the bare bones of the Easter story. Without dwelling on the horror of what Christ suffered there for us. Without detailing out how man's sin was revealed that it's worse there at that cross. In the scheming of the Jewish hierarchy and the cruelty of the Romans and in his desertion by his disciples. But that is the Easter story. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to make sure that we know. But you know, just knowing it isn't enough. It's not enough. There's a question we need to ask. That is, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this wonderful story? Well, first of all, I would urge you to commit yourself to it. Commit to it. Commit to this gospel. But you might want it to protest here. You know, do I really want to commit to something as out there as Christianity is today? Do I want to say that I have faith that God became a man, died on a cross, and then rose again after three days. Can we really believe this in days like today? Where the general perception seems to be that Christianity was for the more gullible of earlier generations, not for the intelligent man or woman of today. Well, let me just say to you now, 
But all of that is the myth that the media constantly feeds into our society. And you see, they do that, those who run the media, because they don't want to be answerable to God. You see, it's that sin thing. It's that sin thing all over again. They don't want there to be a God so that they can live their lives just as they want. But what they and all who stand with them, what they fail to realize is that all of God's demands of us are for our good. God gives them in order to bless us and to protect us, not with a view to to having us live miserable lives, but rather with a view to us living life to the full. God wants us to live life as it was meant to be lived. And the facts are that people who've actually taken the time to really look at the evidence for this gospel have again and again been convinced, and often against their own initial feelings and convictions. For example, there were two men many years ago, Gilbert West and Lord Littleton, and these guys were two well-connected Oxford students, and they were viewed as among the leading intellectuals of their day. And together, they thought they were enlightened men, they decided to knock away the kind of primitive foundation stones of Christian faith. And they were going to prove to the the lesser intellects, to the ordinary man and woman, that the faith that they based their lives on was actually built on a foundation of straw. So Littleton, they divided it up, he tried and decided that he was going to take on proving the job, proving the point that Saul of Tarsus, who we now know as Paul, that he'd never actually been converted to Christianity. And, And West, he devoted himself to demonstrating once and for all that Jesus Christ had never risen from the dead. And so they went on their separate ways to, to, to research this, and they agreed to come together on a certain date to share their findings. And they did that. They came together on that date. And as hard-working academics, they, they'd both done their research. It was, though, a surprising reunion. For you see, Littleton had come to be convinced of Paul's amazing story. And West had come to a conviction that Jesus actually really had risen from the dead. That there was no other way he could find to explain things like the eyewitness evidence, the transformation in the disciples, the reaction of the Jews and Romans, and the later explosive growth of the church There was no other way adequately to explain it other than the fact that Jesus Christ had actually risen from the dead. And what both these men also had to share with one another is that each of them, through their studies and independent of one another, had become Christians. The very opposite of what their original intention had been. Now, let's be clear here. If Jesus Christ is who he said he is, and if he has done what Christians claim he has done, and I firmly believe that he is and he has, then there is nothing on this earth today that is more important for us than facing up to the issue of Jesus and coming to a conclusion about how we respond to them. Now, I believe that this should mean that we commit to Jesus. But surely, 
It must mean, at the very least, that we should seek to explore the truth about Jesus for ourselves. Not rely on second-hand knowledge, but actually look and investigate the truth and come to a decision about him. For you see, Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, is far too important to ignore. So this is the Easter story. We need to commit to it. We need to commit to him to the Jesus who stands at the heart of it. But you know, it's actually not even enough to commit to it. We need to go on from that, to live it, and to share it. Now, what I want to do with you here is just share with you a story I found of someone who did this in a wonderful way. It's a bit longer than the stories I would normally share, but it made an impact on me, and I I felt it would be right to share it with you tonight. And it's the story of a lady called Edith Burns, who was a wonderful Christian who lived in San Antonio in Texas. And she was the the patient of a doctor by the name of Will Phillips. And he was a a gentle doctor, a man who saw his patients as real people. And his favorite person, favorite patient, was Edith Burns. And one morning he went to his office with a heavy heart. And it was because of Edith. And when he walked into his waiting room, there sat Edith, with her big black Bible in her lap, earnestly speaking to a young mother sitting beside her. And you see, she had a habit of introducing herself to people in this way. Hello, my name is Edith Burns. Do you believe in Easter? And then she would explain the meaning of Easter, and often people would come to faith. So Dr. Phillips walked into the office, and there he saw the head nurse, Beverly, And Beverly had first met Edith when she was taking her blood pressure, when Edith began saying, my name is Edith Burns. Do you believe in Easter? And she eventually had come to faith. And Dr. Phillips, he said to Beverly on this day, Beverly, don't call Edith into the office quite yet. I believe there's another delivery taking place in the waiting room. But after being called into his office, Edith sat down and sat in her seat and she took a look at the doctor and said to him, Dr. Will, why are you so sad? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? And he came back to her, Edith, I'm the doctor and you're the patient here today. And with a heavy heart though, he went on, your lab report came back and you've got cancer, Edith, and you're not going to live very long. Edith said, Will Phillips, shame on you. Why are you so sad? Do you think God makes mistakes? You've just told me I'm going to see my precious Lord Jesus, my husband, my friends. You've just told me that I'm going to celebrate Easter forever. And here you are having difficulty giving me my ticket. And he thought to himself, what a wonderful woman Edith Burns is. And things went on through Christmas, etc., etc., and eventually she, she called him after Christmas and told him that, you know, she needed to, put, to be put in hospital. And she said, please put me in there beside women who need to know about Easter. And, with, and they did that. And people began to come in and share that room with, with Edith. And some of those people were saved. And everybody on the whole staff of that hospital, patients, etc., were so excited about Edith. And they started calling her Edith Easter. That is everybody except for one lady, Phyllis Cross, the head nurse. And she made it clear to everyone that she didn't want anything to do with this woman, that she was a religious 
nut. She wanted nothing to do with her. She'd been through a lot of difficulties in her life that had made her hard and cold, and she did everything by the book. She just didn't want to know this. And one morning, the two nurses who usually attended Edith were sick, and she had the flu, and this Phyllis lady had to go in and give her an injection. And when she walked in, Edith had a big smile on her face and said, Phyllis, God loves you, and I love you, and I've been praying for me. And she said back to her, well, you can stop praying for me. It won't work. I'm not interested. And Jesus said, well, I'm going to pray. And I've asked God not to let me go home until you come into the family. And Phyllis said, then you'll never die because that will never happen. And she just walked out the room. Every day, Phyllis from then on would walk into the room and Edith would say every day to her, Phyllis, God loves you, and I love you, and I'm praying for you. One day, Phyllis Cross said that she literally felt drawn to Edith's room like a, ma- to, like to a magnet. And she sat down on the bed, and Edith said, I'm so glad you've come today, because God has told me this is your special day. And Phyllis Cross then said, Edith, you've asked everybody here the question. Do you believe in Easter? But you've never asked me. And he just said, Phyllis, I wanted to ask you many times, but God told me to wait until you asked. And now that you've asked, and he just took her Bible and shared with Phyllis Cross the Easter story, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And she said, Phyllis, do you believe in Easter? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is alive and he wants to live in your heart? And the reply she got back was, I want to believe with all my heart and I do want Jesus in my life. And right there and then, Phyllis prayed and invited Christ into her heart. For the first time, She felt that she wasn't walking out of a hospital room, but she was carried on the wings of angels. And two days later, Phyllis came in and said to Edith, do you know what day it is? And Phyllis, well, sorry, Edith asked the question, not Phyllis, I'm getting the two of them mixed up. But she said anyway, Phyllis Cross said, I know what day it is, Edith. It's Good Friday. Edith said, no. She said, for you every day is Easter now. Happy Easter, Phyllis. Two days later, on Easter Sunday, Phyllis Cross came in, did some work, and then when she'd done her duties, she went down to the hospital shop to get some Easter lilies because she wanted to take them to Edith and wish her a happy Easter. And when she walked into the room, Edith was in her bed, the black Bible was on her lap, her hands were on the Bible, and she had a smile on her face. When she went to pick up her hand, Phyllis realised that she was dead. And her left hand was sitting on John 14. In my father's house, there are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. Phyllis Cross took one look at that dead body and then lifted her head towards heaven, and with tears running down her cheeks, she said, Happy Easter, Edith. Happy Easter. 
She walked out of that room and went over to a table where two young student nurses were sitting. And she said to them, My name is Phyllis Cross. Do you believe in Easter? Obviously this woman, Edith, was a unique person. But you know, if we know God, if we commit our life to him, if we truly love him, if he is our saviour and Lord, then in its own unique way, that should work its way out and show itself in our lives as well. If we really love Jesus, the Easter story should be a story that we cannot stop sharing. May this Easter be for each one of us. And each day that goes ahead, may it be all that God intends it to be. May we be all that God calls us to be.